0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, and can be found on page 683 of your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. Morning. Morning. (laughs) You pray with me. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your daily bread, which... You know, feeds us, which nourishes us, Lord. And I pray, you know, this morning that you would come and meet us where we're at, that you would come and meet us here. Lord, I pray that your truths in this passage today would be revealed to us, that you would illuminate the scripture before us today. Now even with a, a simple passage like this, it comes with Maybe a, a difficult message that can be hard to swallow. And, and Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow me. Follow me. You know, two words, simple words. a uh, Somewhat insignificant phrase in our culture today. What do you think of when you hear the words... Follow me, you know, besides our passage for today. And do you think, you know, follow me on Twitter? I mean, we use it that way, right? Or, or follow me on Instagram? And when you follow someone on Twitter, it doesn't take much, right? All it takes is one click, and now you're, you're following Obama on Twitter, or you're following Tim Keller, or, or you turn on the radio now, and now you're you're listening and, and following the NPR news. And following in this regard usually means following at a distance. It doesn't take much, doesn't cost much. When we follow, we usually observe from afar. For some of us, we have certain uses of the phrase, follow me. And today we're going to see how Jesus uses this phrase, follow me. More importantly, we're going to see how the disciples respond to the call to follow him. One commentator put it this way, and I I tend to agree with him, in that we're going to see when Jesus calls us to follow him, It's no excuse for delay or disobedience. In fact, when Jesus calls you to follow him, don't make excuses. Make disciples. Turn with me to Matthew 4, 18-22. Matthew gives us two similar stories here, Of Jesus calling the first disciples. Now he had just begun his ministry in Galilee. And now he's walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. This big freshwater lake. Water is blue and he's strolling along. And as he's walking, he looks up and sees two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew. And they're casting this net into the lake. Because Matthew writes, they're fishermen. So upon seeing this, Jesus thinks, know, Aha! No pun time. Now I'm going to, he goes up to them and says, Come, follow me. Now I will make you fishers of men. Now no longer will you be men who fish, but you will now fish for men. He continues on from there. And as he's walking, he sees James and John, son of Zebedee. And they're in their boat with their father, and they're preparing their nets because they're fishermen too. And he says the same thing to them. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What kind of following did Jesus have in mind here? What did did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? I think it's obvious that, you know, he's probably not talking about following him in the same way that we click a button and, and follow someone on Twitter. Probably not talking about the same way that You know, we follow him, and we just have to listen and read up on his teachings, and and that's it. Very passive. In fact, when he says, follow me, he literally means, you know, come behind me. Walk behind me. Peter and Andrew, James, and John, they're called not only to adhere to his teachings, yes, but to adhere to his person. they're to imitate him and, and his ministry. Perhaps we can understand this in modern terms of, of how he uses the phrase follow me. For example, if I if I don't know how to get to, let's say, CVCGB, but my, my friend does, what is he or she going to say to me? Follow me. In other words, follow behind me, drive behind me. So when he drives, I drive. When he puts on that right turn signal to switch lanes, I put on that right turn signal to switch lanes. When he stops, I stop. Following in this regard is, is a lot like imitation. You know, how he drives, I drive. How, what his car does, my car does. And this is part of what Jesus calls them to do here. To imitate him and his, participate in his ministry of making disciples. We tend to remember the first things and the last things. You remember the first time that you took your driving exam to get your license? <laughs> nodding his head. <laughs> what about the the first time that you moved out on your own? What was the last thing you ate? One of the first things of Jesus' ministry was to make disciples. You know, verse 19 says, I will make you fishers of men. You know, people who believe in the message of the kingdom. People who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. One of the last things of his ministry also was to call the disciples again to be fishers of men and women, to make disciples of all nations. As Pastor Dave said, at the end of Matthew's Gospel is the Great Commission. There's a call at the beginning and a call at the end to fish for men and women. In other words, to make disciples of all nations. What does that look like for us today? What does following Jesus look like? I mean, some of you are in school. When you go to your cafeteria to eat lunch with your friends or, or your coworkers at work, do you pray for your food? It's a very simple thing. And if so, like, how do you pray? And Do you close your eyes and bow your head and, and put your hands like this and it's pretty evident that you're praying and people around you know you're praying? Or, or do you kind of do that thing where you're driving and you can't close your eyes so you, you kind of keep your eyes wide open and you just say a quick prayer in your head? or maybe a few of you have coworkers you know or friends who are open to visiting church. I mean they may not believe but they may be open to checking it out. Some of you might be going down that friend list thinking, you know, do I know anyone who would be open to experiencing what you know what I do on the weekends? If you can't think of any, I mean it's true that some of your friends may be just against going to church and it's understandable. But maybe there's some who are open. Are they open to going to church? Or visiting with you, seeing what you do on the weekends? Maybe. So when Jesus says the words, follow me, he's not talking about this passive thing. No, it's an active following. It's, it's discipleship. It's evangelism. It's, it's living for him. It's spreading and, and sharing about your relationship with him. So we see what Jesus means when he's saying to the disciples, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How do the disciples respond? And when Jesus called the disciples, they didn't delay. In verse 20, it says, At once they left and followed him. Verse 22, it says of James and John, Immediately they left and followed him. Who in their right mind would just drop everything and follow some guy? Some guy. You know, if the disciples were kids, you'd be hearing them scream, Stranger danger! Stranger danger! And our message for today, today is not to just simply pick everything up and follow some guy who, who tells you to follow him, some stranger. But I mean, we often come to this passage and think, Wow, look at these disciples. Look how they just dropped everything and went after Jesus. Look how Jesus comes and, and meets them for the first time, says a few words, and, and they just go. They just follow him. I can't do that. I can't do that. can't simply just meet someone for the first time and just drop everything and follow. I'm more logical than that. I'm more rational than that. The disciples were already Jesus' disciples when he called them. The disciples were already his disciples when he called them to follow him and to make disciples, to be fishes of men and women. And we see this just from different accounts by the gospel writers. and, And different commentators have suggested different timelines for how they became his disciples. But that's not what Matthew wants to emphasize here. He wants to press The fact that this is Jesus' calling, his authoritative call. He wants to show the disciples' immediate response. You know, most agree, at the the very least, the disciples knew of Jesus and the powerful ministry that he just began in Galilee. So this should make the disciples a lot more relatable to us. And we tend to put the disciples on this pedestal, especially with this passage. And as if they were of a, a higher rank or class, a, a next level Christian, if you will. But the disciples—they're just being disciples. They're just being followers of Christ. They knew of Jesus, or they knew Jesus. He called, they responded. And this is what Matthew wants to see us to see today: that when Jesus called the disciples, they didn't delay. There was an authority behind Jesus' call. The immediacy, the urgency was there. You know, Matthew uses the same two words to describe their response. In verse 20, it says, at once they left and followed him, or it should be immediately, better yet translated, they left and followed him. And then with James and John, same word, immediately, immediately they left and followed him. When Jesus calls us to follow him, excuses for delay no dawdling no, no waiting hesitating just a little bit longer yeah I know we're thinking you know I have exams I have I have appointments I got to take my kids to the lessons I mean I know but this is Jesus calling and this is Jesus the son of God Jesus the Messiah the one who's in authority he calls us to follow him, to, to imitate him, to be fishers of men and women. Now, when you're driving and following someone, you don't, you don't wait. You don't make them wait, right? You no, know, granted, they're probably nice enough to, to lead you to that destination. So they're probably nice enough to wait for you if, you if you have to get to your car. But if they get into your car and they drive up, you're not going to stand there in the parking lot talking to your other friends. I hope not. I mean, you're going to get in your car and you go. And when they turn on that right turn signal to switch lanes because they're going to exit the highway, you don't say, nah, you go on ahead, I'll figure out a way to catch up, I'll follow, follow a little bit further behind. I like my lane here. I'm not going to leave just yet. I mean, no, you put on your, your right turn signal, and you leave as well. I was taking an exam one time, and uh, we had a proctor. And at the beginning of the exam, the proctor mentioned that his wife was due for birth that evening, which is when we were taking the exam. So he had his cell phone out, and his if his wife called and said, you know, honey, uh, my water broke, can you give birth? He was immediately out of there. He would immediately leave everything and go to his wife. There was, there's no excuse for delay. There's no like, oh honey, just, just one second, I gotta take care of some stuff here. Now he would have just left. He knew what was important. And he knew where the authority lay. The authority lay with his this wife, his woman who was in labor. And some of you might recall that feeling of, of immediacy and urgency when some of you went through your first pregnancy. Maybe with a second and third child, you, you're thinking, you know, I've been through this before, we've been through this. It's, it'll be a few hours before the delivery actually happens. We have got some time. Turn on the DVR and get some snacks. But, but maybe, maybe with the first pregnancy, with the first child, I mean, you felt what my proctor felt, that sense of immediacy, that sense of urgency, that sense of, you know, I, I got the call, I got to go. When Jesus calls us to follow him. No excuses for delay. Now that we're following Jesus, do you delay? Do you wait? Do you hesitate? If your friends or coworkers workers see you praying at, at school or, or at work and, and they say, oh, are you a Christian? How do you respond to that? Do you say yes? And if you say yes, that's great. What more do you say? Yes, I'm a Christian. My faith is really important to me. Yes, I'm a Christian. You know, my relationship with Christ has really impacted my life for the better. Yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, you know, why do you ask? Maybe Jesus is calling you to follow in, in other ways. Maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to invite that friend over for dinner, that family over for dinner. Maybe you're feeling this sense that you should go and talk to your friend at school or your, or your co-worker who's just been going through a difficult time. Maybe God is calling you to bigger and better things and he's saying, don't take that job. Don't accept admission to that school. I know it looks great. It's got a lot of prestige. It's not what I have for you. How do you respond when you're called to follow Jesus? when you're called to live for him, when you're called to share with others about your relationship with him. When Jesus called the disciples to follow him, to imitate him, to participate in this ministry of of sharing the good news about the kingdom, they responded immediately. No excuse for delay. When Jesus called the disciples there's no excuse for disobedience as well. They didn't disobey. They left their work and their family. And in verse 20 says, At once they left their nets and followed Him. A few verses later, it says of James and John, At once they left their boat and their father and followed Him. The disciples left their livelihood. They left their source of income. I mean, they weren't rich by any means, but they weren't poor either. You know, fishing was a second economic staple of that region. They lived by the Sea of Galilee, so it kind of makes sense. They gave it up. And they had enough to purchase boats. In the Gospel of Mark, we read that James and John not only left their father, but they left hired servants. And then later in in Matthew, Peter says to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. seems to imply that they gave up a lot. Now, this work was their source of income, it was their source of living. But they had no problem giving it up, at least at that moment. You know, we, I want to make it clear that you know, there's other parts of scripture that seem to suggest you know, they didn't completely just ditch their jobs. I mean, they were still fishermen. So we don't want to equate being a disciple of Jesus to means that everyone in this congregation needs to go out and quit their job right now. I'm not saying that. But when Jesus called them, they dropped their nets and left their boat. The disciples also surrendered their family. James and John were with their father. When Jesus called, they, they answered and left him. Kind of cruel. But we should note that James and John didn't leave their father Zebedee alone. He did have hired servants. I think he would have been okay. And this isn't to say that the family isn't important. The Bible doesn't say that. Again, there are other parts of Scripture that seem to suggest they didn't ditch their family and then never see them again. They probably saw them from time to time. So again, we don't want to equate following Jesus with leaving your family and ditching your family. It's not always the case. But I think the difficult truth here that sometimes is hard to swallow is that Jesus has absolute allegiance even over work even over family when Jesus calls us to follow him there's no no excuses for disobedience I know it's tough to accept Now, as followers of Jesus Christ we're called to do certain things we're called to follow him and to to participate in this ministry of making disciples and spreading the good news and oftentimes it's easy to disobey that calling. I find it interesting that Matthew gives us two very common excuses that even we today use to disobey that calling. Work. Family. What does it mean to surrender our security? What does it mean to surrender our work and our family? What does it mean to say... Jesus Christ has absolute allegiance, even over work, even over family. For some of us, it may mean leaving your job to do ministry. It may mean traveling halfway across the world to begin a new job, a new ministry, using a language that you don't, you don't really understand, living in a culture where you don't really understand as well either. For others, you could be in an ethical dilemma at work that could potentially ruin your work relationships, or even worse, it could cost you your job. Your boss might be asking you to cut corners. You may witness some of your coworkers just talking smack about your colleague who just hasn't been performing up to par recently, and, and what do you do? Do you step in and, and kind of say, stop, or do you kind of just take a backseat and let's let them do what they're doing. Or maybe, maybe your report, maybe your presentation or the number just hasn't been looking so well recently, and, and you got to present it. What do you do? Do you distort the truth a little bit? Maybe emphasize certain things over another thing? It's tough. And for some of you, it may mean taking a, a, a new job. Maybe one with a lower salary, if, if your current one is taking up so much of your time that God just becomes an outlier, this guy on the periphery. For those of you in school, you might have to ask yourselves, you know, how does this major, how does this school, how does this career glorify Christ? Now, how does it glorify me? Whether you're at the best school on earth, whether you're at just a, a mediocre one, that question still stands. You know, is God calling you to change majors? Is he asking you to switch schools? Maybe, maybe not. It may mean surrendering your majors and your future career path to, to where God wants you to go. For some of us, family can be another excuse for disobeying and delaying the call to follow Jesus. You may be called to missions and, and ministry in another state or, or another country. Or you may be called to a new job that is a little further away from home. What about your parents who are getting a little bit older? Or you see this coming down down the line. You know that your parents are getting older and you know, they need a little bit more care. And what do you do? You know, there's this tension, right? Between, you know, God who's called you to do this thing. To, to take this new job because he has big plans for you. Or, or to go halfway across the world to begin a new ministry. Or to go into the missions field. But at the same time, you know that God puts value on family and He's and your, your parents or your family members need care. It's tough, this call to follow Jesus. Maybe God is asking you to follow Him and to do what you can for your family or your parents and to trust Him to do the rest. Perhaps. Some of us have parents who unfortunately don't understand or aren't believers, they don't understand our faith, our relationship with Christ, they may say, why do you spend so much time at church? Why do you spend so much time at these youth events or these church events or these so-called Bible studies when you could be studying harder, working on those apps, getting to a better college, getting a better job, getting a promotion? you no, if you had spent all that time with this christian christianity thing and devoted it to your work life your career life your academic life you could have been so much further along in life you could have had a higher salary you could have been you know a director or senior manager or senior engineer instead of just an average employee or an average student they may want certain things for you So does God. He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to be His disciple. It's going to clash with some of the the values and aspirations of this world. Abraham Kuyper, the, the Dutch theologian, politician, said it really precise when he said this. There is not a square inch... In the whole domain of our human existence, over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Let me say that again. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence, over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. And that includes each and every one of you. Because of this, when Jesus calls you to follow him, don't make excuses. Make disciples. No, this isn't an easy call. The Bible never says it was, or it never says it will be. But the fact that we're following Jesus Christ the Messiah. The fact that we're going to be fishers of men—I mean, this is worth it. Being a follower of Jesus is not an easy call; it's not. You know, I'm trying myself. It's not easy. I mean, what does it look like in my life? You know, some of you know I'm in seminary now, and I got the call to at least follow him in this this manner. And some of you know that I didn't want to go. My plan was to work until I was thirty, you know, have my 401k not not completely set, but at least have money in it, unlike now, and then have a family, maybe a kid, and this is all very unrealistic thinking, and then go to seminary. It's going to wait, you know, graduate at twenty-two and wait eight years. couldn't. And this is Jesus calling. I was at a family reunion uh, and family ready, wedding uh, recently. And so my cousins and I were at, the, at dinner and we're introducing ourselves to the fiance. We go down the line. One doctor, one soon-to-be lawyer, one in business, one soon-to-be consultant, and one at a top-tier university. And then I was last in seminary. Going to be a pastor. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not criticizing, you know, my call to ministry or or what they have, God has cho- called them to do. You know, God calls, has called them to do that. He's called me to do this, and I and I fully accept and appreciate that. But it doesn't make it easy. And so, for some of you, He may be, not be calling you to to ministry. You you might be that doctor or, or that lawyer, that businessman or, or engineer or whatever. But my point is this, whatever job or career we're called to, whatever location we may end up in, we're called to follow him, to make disciples. It's not going to be easy. It rarely ever is. It's going to look different for each of us. But when Jesus calls us to follow him, no excuses, no delay. No disobedience. In a few moments, I'm going to invite the worship team up to lead us in response. We're going to sing the hymn "I Have Decided to Follow Jesus." Now, if you don't know the story behind the hymn, it's not—it's not a hymn about the ease of the call to follow Jesus. It's not about the ease of uh, us placing our decision in Christ. You know, I, I've decided; it's my decision. It's about the radical call to follow Christ, even to the point of suffering, even to the point of death. Without any excuse for delay or disobedience. In the 1880s, a Welsh missionary finally saw the fruits of his labor. He saw a family come to faith in this brutal village in India. He saw a husband, a wife, and two kids. Now, unfortunately... You know, the the village leaders arrested the family, brought the family out, and they told the husband, this father, to renounce his faith or to see his family murdered before his very eyes. Now he refused, declaring, I have decided to follow Jesus. His two children were then shot to death before his very eyes by archers the leaders demanded him again, renounce your faith. And he refused again. His wife was then executed before him. And he responded, though none go with me, still I will follow. And a third time, renounce your faith. this time, it was his life that would be taken. And he died proclaiming, the cross before me, the world behind me. And the entire village, including the village leaders, eventually became disciples of Christ because of this family. Now, We may not need to endure suffering to the point of death in our culture today, but we still go through trials, we still go through persecution in different different ways. That doesn't make what we go through as followers of Christ any easier. Nor does it make what we go through, or does it make our call, any less true. Jesus Christ has called each and every one of us to follow him. He has called us to make disciples of all nations, to be fishers of men and women, to follow him, to live a life for him. So when Jesus calls you to follow him, don't make excuses. Make disciples. Let's pray. Father God, now this is a difficult call. This is you know, a great cost to follow you. But that, we know that you paid an even greater cost with your life on that cross. So that we may attain salvation, so that we may have this relationship with you. So we know that following you is worth it. Some of us are going through difficult times. Some of us are called to to leave our jobs or to go to places unknown. Some of us are, are called just to share about you with those around us. You know, it can be tough. There's a lot of barriers to overcome, but you have overcome the greatest barrier. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that we would take this call to follow you seriously. That in even those small moments of our daily lives, when we see opportunities to follow you, that we would not shy away but that we would boldly proclaim that we have decided to follow you and and to, and to act on that opportunity. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this call, despite how difficult it is to swallow sometimes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jeff.